The following episode of TOEFOP is rated MA for mature audiences. It may contain sexual references, time travel references, allegations of bin misconduct, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that this episode is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who thinks a comedy conversation between two old mates sounds like a terrible idea for a show. Minors must be accompanied by a parent or guardian. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax, this is Tofop. I'm Charlie Clawson. <laughs> I'm Will Anderson. No, it is Tofop. It We're is introducing Tofop. a Tofop. We're introducing a, well, we don't call them best ofs. They're themed episodes that yeah. Podcast Mike has put together. And this one has a particular Podcast Mike flavoured theme. Yeah, yeah. So uh, regular listeners to the show will know that uh, we normally start an episode by commenting on what Podcast Mike uh, is wearing so despite much the so. fact that this is an audio medium and nobody else can see what he's wearing but we decide that we should start our episodes with a bit of bullying that is pretty much only for us it's our warm-up it's the way you know it's like when you know uh imagine uh like the beach boys before they went on stage they'll do some harmonies they would bully their roadie <laughs> <laughs> like, all the wilson brothers fuck over there just his- gather around in a circle and go what's that a black t-shirt <laughs> oh you're a roadie you're wearing all black well i'm required to oh, you're required to i follow all the rules but they do anyway good times vibrations <laughs> are happening with us you're a dickhead Ed doesn't know how to dress, roadie. <laughs> I would, you know, like, I'm not a big fan of the Beach Boys, but I would definitely listen to a Beach Boys album if, if that's how it opened. The first track of every Beach Boys album, like an old school rap album, yes. like an Eminem album like that sketch. had those sketches in between. It's just the rest of the fucking Beach Boys in harmony. Just, well, you know, Backstreet Boys are in the news this week because one of the Backstreet Boys is a QAnon people, person. Oh, which they one? Think. Uh, let me guess. Um, okay. Is it, I don't know their names. Is no. it the one who wears the glasses with the goatee? No. So that's Kevin, All I right. believe. Kevin, the, the tall one. Is that who you're talking no, about? No, he has not, a goatee? Not, not Lurch. Uh, <laughs> Okay, so that's Kevin. Right. Le- Kevin is Lurch. Yeah. And so basically Kevin is the one who's kind of calling it out. Oh, so okay, it turns right. out that Kevin's the cool one who's just like okay. uh, lost a friend to QAnon recently. You so, know, so, this is why it's all nonsense. So is it, um, uh, is it, is it, it's not uh, Blondie. What's his name? He's got a I brother. don't know the name of any of the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> are you talking about, so there's like. There's, the, I'm trying to think of who they are. Backstreet's back right. So there's, there's Blondie. Mm-hmm. And then there's good looking. There's a Carter, and who's got a little brother. Okay, it's not the Carter. Okay, so he's got some other issues. I think the Carter, but yeah, yeah. Or no, or maybe no, little, his brother's little, little got, brother's got the issue. Yeah, well, okay. Then he's got issues dealing with his little brother's issues. He's got he's got family issues at the very least, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and now he's got uh, professional family issues as well. Because I assume it's not him, as far as I know. No. Okay, and then there's other Blondie, who's kind of he looks like he's. He's kind of good looking, I guess. Okay, are we but talking like all kind of good looking, tougher right? blondie now? Yeah, tougher blondie. Okay, so you found your target. Oh, tougher blondie. Tougher blondie, who I believe his name is Brian. <laughs> tougher blondie, by the way, is a great name <laughs> for a character, like a 1950s greaser, tougher blondie. Or just like a band that does heavy metal covers of blondie songs. Yeah. <laughs> 
So Tougher Blondie's a QAnon. Yeah, Brian. Right. Brian, that's his name. Yeah. Brian, that Tougher Blondie. You should change your name <laughs> to Tougher Blondie. It's much cooler. Yeah, so Brian's a bit of a Trump guy and apparently a bit of a QAnon guy. guy. So that is split up the... Ba- so anyway, why did we get on the Backstreet, Backstreet Boys? Boys? I don't know, something about the Beach Oh, Boys. bullying. Oh, bullying. So, uh, obviously, that could be the Backstreet Boys' new album. They could just bully Brian yeah. about his QAnon. Oh, you think that uh, Trump's a giant lizard, do you, <laughs> do you, Brian? Anyway, Backstreet's back. back. All right. right. <laughs> I'll just give you a quick rundown, Will, because Mike was very excited about this episode. So, this is what people can expect to hear and see if this uh, brings up any memories for you. Um, his enthusiastic countdowns. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. That. Yes. Yeah. Michael Pope. Was this when he was counting down from 10 at one what? stage? No, he didn't. Did he he was taking like a long run up at some stage, I think. Right, I don't well. think he was always going 3, 2, 1. I think at, there was at least a 5. He was, was pushing an, off the boundary like Dennis Lilly. A strange odd number, just like 27 for no apparent reason to start the count up The number of the episode. Yes. So, top 5, 314, 313, 312. Uh, we talk about websites being obsolete that cavemen could have done better podcasts than TOFOP. I don't remember that conversation, but I still agree with the sentiment. Yep. Do you remember when we discussed... The acoustics would have been better. Harder to get it out and about. I mean, Yeah, that's right. Well, I guess... Well, the internet wouldn't be slower than Australia's NBN. <laughs> well, I guess cave paintings are the original podcast, which is perhaps the riff we had in the first place, yeah. because that's where my head has immediately gone, but... They are kind of your original podcast. Like yeah. In a cave painting, you just see two white guys sitting by a fire yeah. in, a gar- <laughs> in a garage. <laughs> just smoking pot yeah. and talking about conspiracy theories. Uh, do you remember when we talked about Mickey Rourke potentially, potentially living in Australia? Oh, yeah, I That's do. That's one of my favourite ones. You saw him at the gym? Um, there's an episode where everyone, as in me, you and Mike, were dressed like we were on a heist. Okay. Black, black hoodie, I imagine. There was when uh, Mike changed his outfit to resemble uh, Stan from the Eminem song. Oh, yeah. No, I definitely remember that one. And then uh, finally, we talk about Melbourne being liberated from COVID. So it's a happy ending in this compilation. Spoilers. Not best off. Spoilers for anyone who's going to binge Melbourne. <laughs> yeah. He's going to binge 2020 Melbourne in the future. Uh, so uh, once again, here's us. This may be the best episode of TOEFOP ever because we've had the most enthusiastic countdown from Podcast Mike that we've had in the history of this podcast. That was incredible. Felt like I was on the set of Hey Hey It's Saturday or something like that. Like there was a floor manager on the floor. We were coming yeah. back from a break to live TV and he was down the front trying to get everybody's attention. He was like, all right, everyone, in three, two, one, the cameras swoop in, the band starts playing, we start doing the show. Oh, it was it was so professional. I mean, the toughest gig I've ever seen a warm-up guy do is the Logies because people at the Logies don't even give the presenters or the acts any attention so the warm-up guy is on a hiding to nothing is it Michael Bishop is that the comedian who does it Michael well you, you know you've gone very close you've got to religion but you haven't got what? the right rank in religion do you want to have a second go at it Michael Michael uh rabbi no, not Michael Rabbi. I'll give you a third guess. Is it so a different religion to the first one I said or a different status in the religion? A different status in the religion, a different position within the church. Right. Michael Alterboy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's it. I think people would pay more attention to Michael Alterboy. Uh, his last name is a person <laughs> who should pay more attention to what is happening to Alterboy. <laughs> Michael Pope. Michael Pope is the name of the gentleman who does the warm-up. One of Australia's most famous warm-up people, Michael Pope. I once went with our friend Stephen Gates, our mutual friend Stephen Gates, Gatesy from Tripod, 
he and I once went to see Michael Pope's magic show. He was doing a solo show as part of the Melbourne Magic Festival and we went and saw his close-up magic show and I almost ruined it because he has this card trick in the audience where like everybody has a card and this is a really important part of the show where like, you know, you're meant to like identify this is the card and it's a big reveal. And anyway, it turns out I had the card, but I had got so medicated before this show that I was staring at my card and couldn't work out it was the card he was trying to say that I had and I nearly fucked the entire show oh my god I'm actually getting anxiety thinking about that because I have been in a similar situation of being medicated and at a live show where someone's come and asked me a simple question and it's like if you'd asked me what my full name was, I probably would have said Charlie Alterboy. <laughs> well, I had correctly assumed, and I don't want to dob in Gatesy, but we'd both correctly assumed that most of a close-up magic show and illusion show and sort of mind-reading show would be even better to watch if you were slightly medicated. Yeah, what yeah. we did not take into account was it would be much harder to take part in that show and be an active participant in that show if you were slightly medicated. <laughs> So with a close-up magic show, like because I've seen close-up magic on TV and it's normally like street magicians, is it a smaller audience? Because it doesn't, it wouldn't work with like a big crowd, would it? Well, he had a stage and it wasn't all close-up magic. A lot of it was what you would call sort of like, right. you know, almost like mind reading. You know, it's all illusion, yeah. of course, but it's a lot Mental, of me- mentalism. mentalism. That's probably is that what, what it called? is. Yes. He, he probably was doing mostly yeah. mentalism. It was actually a very delightful show. I had a great time apart from the moment where I nearly ruined it. If Tism and Mental as Anything formed an audio slave type super band, would that be mentalism? Mental Tism. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't realise I was coming into this close up magic show. I thought I was going to see a collaboration between the guys from Mental as Anything and the guys from Tism. It's just Greedy Smith wearing a balaclava. We're mentalism. So, you know, uh, I was going down a Rage Against the Machine rabbit hole a few weeks ago, mm. which led me to an audio slave kind of rabbit hole. And so tell me, audio slave is basically Rage Against the Machine just with Chris Cornell lead singing. Is that, do I have that right? That's pretty much it, I believe. I, I, I could Podcast Mike would I think know. That, that's, that's mostly the gist, I think. I think the idea was that, as we've explored previously, Zach De La Rocha, De, Zach De La Rocha, Zach De La Rocha. Um, I think it's De La Rocha. And, uh, and uh, what, what's the good the other dude from Tom Morello. Machine that everybody, Tom Morello di- famously didn't all get along very well. So I think they went through a period where they were like, well, why don't we just keep... That was their, I guess, Adam Lambert out the front of Queen stage of their career. Queen. They just didn't get... They did not get... Um, Chris Cornell into sing Rage Against the Machine songs. Although I would have loved to see Chris Cornell belt out a bit of, did they do some? He does. And that's what I wanted to bring up because I love Chris Cornell. We've talked about when he passed away, we talked about him on our, on the show for at length. If you grew up in the nineties, like Chris Cornell is one of like the top five kind of well, probably top three male vocalists of that era. And so I was like, Oh yeah, cool, man. Like I want to see what he does, uh, you know, with uh, killing in the name of turns out not, I didn't like it. I just, I don't think he, because when you think about Rage Against the Machine, it's not really about uh, vocal ability. It's about attitude. It's about sort of what Zach brings to each lyric. It's it's poetry in a way, like beat poetry or whatever you call it. So having the greatest vocalist with the, you know, the largest octave range, 
is a bit of a waste. It's like, you know, taking a Ferrari onto a dodging track. It's like, well, you know, I mean, it can do the job, but I, I think it's not a proper use of its capabilities. Yeah, you get the impression, maybe not as well, but Mark Jacko Jackson could have done killing in the name of. <laughs> New intro from Podcast Mike tonight because he does a little countdown for Charlie New one. to start. And he said, Tofop 302. I think it might be 303. So already I was a little thrown. And then he goes in three, two, one, and then go. He added a go on the end. Now, I the know. whole point of the three, two, one countdown is that once the person has said one, you know that you have permission to speak. You can't be adding an extra word on the end after the one. <laughs> you can put a go in three, two, one. You can say Tofop 303 go in 321 you could even do 3 go 21 it would be confusing but you can't do 321 go i mean i was about to speak like my my vocal cords were just about to begin vibrating when he threw the go in and i i was wondering if maybe i looked like i wasn't prepared maybe podcast mike was going this guy this idiot I mean, I've, I've been producing the last 20-odd shows, and this idiot looks like he doesn't know when to start a podcast. Also, go is such a weird thing to say at the start of a podcast. Like, it's like the start of a race. Ready, set, go, right? Like, you know, on your marks, yeah. get set, go. Like, that's for something that is a sprint, you know, for something that is like, you know, a, a competition you've got to get out of the blocks. I think this podcast has proved over the last 10 years, Charlie, that being fast out of the blocks is not necessarily something that we're particularly good at. No, we uh, we just worked out how to record the show properly. We had a Instagram live disaster only three three weeks ago. We've only just updated our website to be like better than a like a, a, a WordPress site that you might see on some dodgy real estate agency from like 1996. We've only just caught up to the modern day. I think it's good timing for websites. I feel like websites are about to make a bit of a comeback. I've got a personal feeling that mm -hmm. what happened was websites became kind of useless. Everybody had their own website and then Facebook and Twitter and all these social media companies came along and they just replaced the idea of why you would need a website. What you needed was a web presence mm -hmm. that would reflect the things that would normally be yeah. on your website sort of on those, you know, Facebook or Twitter or whatever it happened to be at the time. I reckon because there is a massive distrust of those organisations now, Twitter's become accessible and Facebook's stealing all your information, that there is some appeal in going to somebody's website again now and accessing their entertainment from a place that isn't on Facebook or Twitter. Maybe we've, maybe the fact that it took us 10 years to get our website together is actually good time <laughs> accidentally on our behalf and we'll just be getting into websites as people are getting back into websites. We miss when people were into websites in the first place. We miss that rush. Uh, we went through this entire period of not really getting a good Facebook or Twitter presence, but we may have lucked into getting a website just when people want to go to websites again. Are we like one of those tribes that sort of like lived in isolation you know never developed sort of technologically and we are waiting for this disaster like uh, we we'll wait for the pandemic to sweep through and lay waste to everything and then we'll come out and we'll start integrating into a progressive society on a technological perspective i think that, that you there's something in what you say firstly I think it's disrespectful to a tribe that's never experienced technology to suggest that after 10 years they wouldn't have worked out how to record a podcast. I think the tribe would be way ahead of us in that regard. We had a brief discussion about uh, the clothing we're wearing with podcast Mike. 
I thought he looked very uh, emo in his wearing like a little two-tone sweater. Looks very cool, but very emo. And then we got into a discussion about how once uh, on a casual clothes day at school, he wore all black and was teased so mercilessly that he's never done it again. Never worn it again. I mean, also black is the color of the, you know, high school goths, right? That's where I got into black, listening to the Cure and stuff. So... The idea that everybody teased you and made you really sad is actually on brand for then wearing black clothing. So, I mean, it was totally on brand. He should have leaned into the black. He should have started wearing like black mascara and dyeing his hair black. Black is cool. I mean, when when Gemma and I started dating, Gemma was a goth for a number of years. She's got some great photos of her living in Edinburgh where she's full gothed up, the Betty Page wig, the lip piercings, black lipstick, everything. And when we started dating, it's fair to say, Will, that I was not a goth. <laughs> uh, I mean, the way she always describes my outfit when we met was <clears throat> at a party. I was wearing like, uh, like moleskin pants, uh, a bright red uh, zip-up tracksuit top and tennis sweatbands on my wrists. <laughs> like, I was, like I was in some 41 or something. You definitely had a lead singer of a band of the era sort of look going on. And it's been very easy yeah. for you to ease into middle-aged dad who hasn't given up on his youth because that's kind of the look you always <laughs> you always dress like a 40 something yeah. dad who wanted to pretend he was still young back when you could go to the gym there was a dude who went to my gym that i was fascinated by because he was in his sort of like mid 50s he kind of was a really like muscular rugged looking dude kind of a bit like mickey rock but without all the plastic surgery but that kind of face you know that granite face and and he would spend like hours of the gym he'd be there when i arrived and he'd be there after i left he would just very slowly make his way around the gym and he'd always have a copy of like the daily telegraph and he would sit at a machine and he would pump out a couple of reps and then he would stop and then he would flick through his magazine and you know just sort of take his time and he'd chat to staff and but never rushed but he was always wearing like brand new fresh out of the box like nikes obviously like a a sneaker pimp kind of dude really like lush looking nikes never the same pair and then it would always be a really loud pair of like mambo board shorts like the the brighter and the weirder the design the better and then up top would be a t-shirt that was kind of like like a like a skate brand like a vans or something like that but then he'd always have like a crisp flat build baseball cap on his head but turned slightly to the side sometimes with the reflector sticker on it now remember i said this guy's in his mid 50s <laughs> and so i would see this dude get about the gym and i'm I was always like what is his story like clearly in the late eight or maybe the mid to late 90s shit was pretty good for him that's when he was fucking you know going to what was the what was the big uh uh, uh music festival where it was all like it'd be hip-hop bands but like surf pop, pop punk bands and what was it called you know um vans warped tour <laughs> he went to vans warped tour and he had the best time ever and so he just said this is my look this is what I'm wearing every day. Just board shorts, fresh kicks, uh, a skater t-shirt and a brand new baseball cap, flat brim, sticker on, just jauntily tilted to the side. Okay, here's what I reckon his story is. He's the real Mickey Rock. So here's how I imagine it went down. Mickey Rock went to the Vans Warp Tour one day. He was having the best time of his life. He was just like, I know I've been a really successful actor. I've made all this money in Hollywood. But what I really want to be able to do is just go and see 
Blink 182 and Sum 41 on the same fucking bill in the afternoon. I just want to like have a big day out with my mates, enjoying some good fucking music. And as you I just want to go on the I just want to go on the half pipe. I just want to go on the half pipe for a bit, hit the Dodgem cars, then check out Sum 41. But you know what uh, Mickey Rock can't do? Mickey Rock can't go on the fucking Dodgem cars because people are going to be like, "Oh, look, it's Mickey Rock," and they're going to bother him, and so he has to stay in the VIP area. And so that day, Mickey Rourke, Hollywood actor, made a decision, which explains a lot of what happened after this, that he okay. wanted a sim- more simple life. He no longer wanted to be Hollywood actor Mickey Rourke, but the only way that he could make him disappear was to hire another Mickey Rourke to be Mickey Rourke so that he could disappear and never be bothered again because nobody would be like, you can't disappear and look like Mickey Rourke because people were like, hey, you're Mickey Rourke and he disappeared. He had to make it seem that Mickey yeah. Rourke had never disappeared in the first place. And so he's got his vans. I love He's it. got his vans. He's got himself a life supply yeah. of Mambo with all that fucking Hollywood money you'd made as a movie actor. <laughs> and he's got himself right. a whole bunch of fucking caps that he's never going to take the sticker off. And he fucking loaded up his iPod with, you know, some 41. And he just goes down to the gym every day. He lives by the beach in Sydney. He goes to the gym every day. He presses iron and nobody ever cares that he's Hollywood actor Mickey Rourke. But the problem was that he couldn't find another guy who looked exactly like Mickey Rourke. So he said to the guy, mm. what I'm going to get you to do is have some plastic surgery, not to look more like me, yeah. to look less like me. Because the cover story is going yeah. to be not that you look exactly like me, but that me, the original Ricky, Mickey Rourke, never, doesn't actually look like me anymore. So you just get increasingly bizarre plastic surgery but you get to have a, like a second revival at Hollywood. You get to get all the trappings of this new Mickey Rourke. But you are Dread Pirate Robert style. One day at a party, he's like, I've got a conversion. I am not the real Mickey Rourke. <laughs> I love it. I think we can take some cues from the Paul McCartney conspiracy that Paul right. McCartney died and they replaced him with a lookalike. We've delved into this in previous episodes. William Campbell was his name. Apparently, he was a lookalike who won a Paul McCartney lookalike contest and then uh, joined the Beatles for the last two albums, but then refused to give up the ruse and went on to have a solo career, much to the chagrin of MI6. Well, this is very similar with Mickey Rourke. They didn't want him to make a comeback. <laughs> they were watching the second Iron Man film just going, this wasn't the plan, man. Or do you think... So in the Paul McCartney instance, the, the idea is that MI6 approached the Beatles to say, hey, look, we just found out that Paul died in a car accident. But we're terrified that if this news gets out, it's going to cause mass suicides amongst teenage girls and girls across the world, the Beatles fans. So we've, uh, <laughs> we've gone out to find a lookalike. And uh, we want you guys... And so the Beatles being, you know, wanting their fans to stay safe, agreed to it at first because they thought, how bad could this get? Are we saying that Mickey Rourke, there was, is it just selfish reasons, just the anonymity, or was there some kind of greater good that he was serving? No, 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 no. No, I think he just had such a good time at the Vans Warped Tour. Okay. Like he realised that right. he'd had enough success as a Hollywood actor and he was ne- <laughs> the level of fame he was now at wasn't the life that he wanted to live. So he's just like, I don't want to fucking like constantly have to go to Hollywood things. I want to just be like, you know, like you said, down on the half pipe. I want yeah. to be down on the Dodgem cars. I want to like, you know, like, you know what I want to do? I want to spend the day listening to no effects and rants. <laughs> That's what I want to do. With my time. Hey, Will, let's take a little break. 
from the show to talk about something pretty cool. Oh my God, it's so cool, Charlie. This it's- is cool things for cool people and this is a cool thing that is happening for cool people. Oh, actually, to be honest, probably not cool people. Probably sort of hot and sweaty people. Very hot and sweaty. Considering that the venue I'm performing at can get a little hot and sweaty anyway, but that's not a good advertisement for it. It's the Brunswick Picture House. It's in Brunswick Heads in northern New South Wales, and I am doing two completely improvised What You Talking About Will shows on the 25th of January, the day before the public holiday, and then on the 30th of January, which is a Saturday night. The uh, 25th is a Monday night. Um, and, yeah, that'll be the first time I've been on stage for over 10 months in front of an audience, and I'm going to do a completely improvised show. So heaps of shit has happened in the last year. Who knows what will come out? Probably my opinions about Brian from the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> All the topical material. That's what you'll get to see at the Brunswick Picture House. So please, um, there's not many tickets left. So buy well, that sounds great. Well, how would I get tickets if I wanted to come? I guess you go to the website of the Brunswick Picture House, or you know, go on my socials, and there'll be links there. But yeah, well, go why to the don't website. we put in a uh, why don't we put a link in this episode in that the show notes? Well, yeah, show I hear notes. people say that. <laughs> yeah. Do we have show notes? We we'll do. Put an episode in the show notes. <laughs> And you have like traditional music that you come on to. Maybe it's time to change to It's Getting Hot in Here. <laughs> I mean... Is that too sexy for a comedy show? It'd be a brave new direction for me if I started just <laughs> if you belting come out like, a bit of Nelly. Yeah, with a, with a band aid on your cheek. On my cheek. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, Ramona uh, has just come in and attacked Charlie. Uh, she's kissing me. Uh, so, yeah, don't forget, <laughs> Will's doing shows live at the Brunswick Picture House. Uh, click the link in the episode description to get tickets. You and I are a mirror image of each other. Black hoodies, black caps, ready to start some shit. And then podcast Mike, who was shamed publicly on this podcast last week. You know you're part of the family when we started to make fun of you, what you're wearing on what is basically an audio medium. But uh, last week he was dressed as a member of a, uh, a band, emo band. An emo band, and that got us on to Ricky Mork and his various adventures. And so that started quite well. So I'm going to have a look at him this week, and he's wearing... Black. He's wearing black. He's wearing totally black. And is he hiding behind something at the moment? I it think he was. He just opened. He turned his camera on to show us that he was hiding behind masking tape or something like that. I don't know what's going on, but I think isolation might have got to podcast Mike. But he is dressed like a younger version of us. He is dressed like when the Wu Tang Clan had to replace old dirty bastard with young dirty bastard. <laughs> That's what podcast Mike has come as today. No, no, he's dressed like when Eminem decided to kind of like change his image completely and come out as like young Fidel Castro. That's what podcast. All of a sudden, there's no more. There's no more peroxide. There's no more double gold earrings. It's just like I'm a serious hip hop artist now. I, I think actually podcast Mike is dressed like uh, the guy who played Stan for, in the film clip of Stan <laughs> for us this podcast he's like dear Charlie and Will I wrote I wrote to your mailbag but you're three months fucking behind and you haven't got to my letter that's probably what was going on in Stan Eminem wasn't ignoring Stan Eminem was just as yeah. bad as corresponding. Eminem had set up a fax machine at his local news agents and the woman wasn't passing on the faxes. That's what was happening, Stan. I mean, isn't that kind of what he says in the lyrics? Is like, don't think I was, you know, dissing you, man. Like, I've just been busy. I'm on, on tour and all that kind of stuff. 
I mean, he he was essentially saying, "Look, we're not very. He's, I'm not very good at reading. Just like Tofop. In fact, I think that was the original, in the unreleased version of Stan. He says, "Look, just like Tofop, I'm not very good at catching up on correspondence." He said, "Everyone relaxing. I never should have been faxing." That's what Eminem said in the original lyrics of Stan. Is there? Would there be any reason? Like you said that me, you, and Mike look like bank robbers when we jumped on. Is there any conceivable reason? that we would be robbing a bank via Zoom? Like, is there a scenario in which we would all appear on someone's Zoom chat dressed like this and steal from them? Like, how would that happen? If you were to do, like, an, an isolation version of Ocean's Eleven, what are we doing? What's the scam? Why are we dressed like this? Well, I guess it's all us all coming together to rob some big online organisation. So we've got to, like, you know, infiltrate the Facebook Christmas party or something like that. Yeah. And, right? Like, we're going to take down Facebook yeah. from inside the internet. So we're all assembling on Zoom. So you kind of have – originally, you just have George Clooney, like, alone on his Zoom, and he's reaching out to – Brad Pitt and then they're having a Zoom conversation together and then suddenly you see can Matt Damon join the conversation and then one by one the Ocean's Eleven crew come on board and they all have a Zoom meeting to plan some heist they're going to do on Facebook. Okay, but every one of the Ocean's Eleven dudes has their specialty. There's like the electronics guy, there's the gymnast, there's the bomb guy, there's whatever. So how would you apply that to a Zoom situation? Like what special skills could I, could I have on Zoom right now that would help us in our taking down of Facebook? Okay, well, in this scenario, I think you're the, I'm going to say you're Brad Pitt. You're like, okay, you're the, like you know, you're the traditionally hot, you know, actor type. And I'm more, you. I'm happy to be George Clooney in this scenario. Don't get me wrong. There ain't no second prize when it comes to dishing these out. And to be honest, podcast Mike is Matt Damon. So the three of us are already cast, <laughs> but then you have to bring in your specialist. You have to bring in your James Fosdyke because his speciality is obviously yep. like he's going to do some sort of, art. you know, art. We're going to do some sort of art heist. Okay. Maybe. Perfect. Right. That No, I think that's our in. That's our in, is that we, as an independent media company, have been negotiating with Facebook about James Fosdyke creating like artwork specifically for Facebook. In the same way that we told that story about the artist who came in and did the mural at Facebook's offices, you know. So they're looking for a cool, new, artistic, you know, the, the, the public image is taking a battering and they want to win people back. And they think the best way to do that is with James Fosdyke's art. So we act as kind of like intermediaries. They're going cha to change it to uh, Facecock. <laughs> and it's just going to be the Facebook logo, but in penises. Yeah. And say. James Fosdyke is the only person they can get to do it since, since the dude who used to do those, what was his name? Pickering? Larry Pickering passed on. They were going to get Larry Pickering to do it, but obviously Larry Pickering's gone to burn in the eternal fires of hell. <laughs> and so James Fosdyke is suddenly available. As has become tradition on the show, we normally comment on podcast Mike's attire, but he was very neutral, just a plain white t-shirt, couldn't see any stitching or any design features that would enable us to make fun of him. Um, so I'm a bit flat. It's a flat start. Normally that's the run up we take to start the show. I've got to be honest with you. He's done it deliberately. There's no doubt in my mind that he's, you know, not enjoyed the last couple of weeks when we've commented on what he was wearing. And instead of bringing it up yeah. with us... And saying, hey, guys, mm. I don't think it's part of my role to be bullied uh, mercilessly for something that no one else can see. Just so you guys can still get some juice in the old fucking bones after 10 <laughs> years of rolling out this comedy conversation. <laughs> like, 
that's well within his rights, and he's done it in such a nice way by just wearing the most forgettable outfit of all times. If you offered me a million dollars right now, I could not tell you what podcast Mike was wearing before this podcast. Well, I'm going to attempt to make fun of him, even though he's tried to to throw a spanner in the works. But well, explain to me he what he's wearing, because like I, I I literally he, have no memory of what he was wearing. He was invisible to me. He he actually <laughs> managed. He was a floating head because he managed to don this cloak of impenetrable invisibility. Come work for Tofop. You'll be invisible to us. We'll barely acknowledge you. <laughs> so- uh, my take on it, having yeah. thought about it now, is that he's wearing a late 90s, early 2000 M&M style oversized white tee. In fact, if he throws his camera back on and we see that he's bleaching his hair in the sink, like Stan style, then I'll know oh, that's exactly the look he was going for. Yeah, uh, it, it does have a real Stan look, I've got to say. Like, it's, like halfway through this podcast, there's just going to be the noise of somebody writing and it'll be like, <laughs> Dear Will and Charlie, I wrote you a fax, but you never responded. <laughs> when I went on the call earlier, we were discussing a little philosophy business before you joined us, Charlie, and uh, mm. podcast Mike s- said, I apologize. I've just been for a run. Because Podcast Mike is wearing a singlet. I think this is the first time that uh, Podcast Mike has rocked a singlet on a recording of Tofop. Didn't even know he had shoulders. This is is the new Melbourne. This gives me hope for the world opening up post-COVID. You know, everybody's looking for their signs of, you know, that dove that shows you that there is land nearby. For me, that beautiful white biblical dove is Podcast Mike's shoulders. The fact that I have yeah. seen his shoulders tonight makes me think that this whole country is going to be fucking open by Christmas. He is the groundhog that is summoned that COVID is over in Australia. <laughs> we did not have to have six more weeks of lockdown. The skin of his shoulders is as white as a dove's. Uh, it definitely signals the end of COVID. I think that's what I'd like to believe as well, Will. Um, one word comes to mind when I look at uh, podcast Mike, and that's sexy. It's a sexy new look. Sexy new times for Melbourneian, sexy new look for Podcast Mike. It's summer bod. It's, we, what we're seeing yeah. right now is Podcast Mike's summer look. We're, we're getting to see yeah. some of the summer collection, you know, and it's out yes. and about and it's proud and I like it. It's a change of seasons. In this year where time has felt meaningless, I feel yeah. like we've had a beacon of the changing of seasons. Are you getting shredded for summer days? podcast mike is that what's going on has daniel andrews done such a great job that summer day they're having like all the dance all the dance festivals are back at once you're getting summer days you're getting uh what are they i don't even know that that's sometimes the only one i know <laughs> summer days stereo sonic uh they're all happening at once wouldn't that be amazing because you know dan andrews his uh speeches about you know getting on the beers have been remixed mm. into dance tunes at festivals around the country. And this clip went around of everybody in Perth at like a rave hugging each other and just going off to Daniel Andrews' press conference. So what if Daniel Andrews realised that this has been like the thing that's been quite positive for his reputation during this time? Maybe he decides I, it's not enough to be Premier of Victoria anymore. I'm going to take this opportunity yeah to run to be Prime Minister of Australia. But the thing that is going to get these other states on board with Dan Andrews is I'm cutting through in the dance community. I'm getting young people back to the Labor Party through fucking raves because that's the best time for political messaging, if you think about it. Yes. Like, 
if you fill me full of ecstasy and get me like in a sweaty tent with half naked people, I'm going to buy relentless pop propaganda. I'm going to be like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm just fucking digging this. Craftwork could have been doing lyrics from Mein Kampf and I would have been just been like, this is a fucking good gig. I fucking love you, man. So he just rebranded himself. He's no longer Chairman chairman Dan. He's Fat Boy Dan. Fat Boy Dan. And he actually starts, he wears his North Face. He's already got like a dance music yeah. look. So he gets his North yeah. Face jacket and he starts like Disco Dan. He just starts going <laughs> to raves. Fat Boy Dan, like he does a collab with Jacinda Ardern because she was a DJ, <laughs> and they just yeah, get... she's perfect. She no, no, she's she's the vocalist. She can sing over the top of his beats. All oh, right, yeah. So no, I no, I I think they both scratch, but she does the okay. vocals. That's like the new she does angle. vocals as well. So they just bring out like a set of decks, and it's Jacinda Ardern on one side, Chemical Brothers style, and like Fat yes. Boy Dan on the other side, and she's just got a microphone and she does some vocals. Yeah, I'm I'm all I'm all down with that. I'm yeah. down with that. Uh, we, we asked Mike what he was wearing tonight because he was wearing a, a dark T-shirt with a little insignia on it. I couldn't quite make it out over Skype. Turns out it's uh, a university RMIT T-shirt. Now, we didn't clarify because we said that was enough. We can, we can get going with that. But uh, while we're talking, Mike, can you tell us, is this a university you attended or did you get this from like St. Vinny's or something like that? Just somebody who went to RMIT who's like, I'm done with this shithole of an institution. I've thrown this in the bin and Mike's like, I, I don't need to go to university if I just have this T-shirt that I wear around. People have gone, I bet that guy went to RMIT. Why would you wear an RMIT T-shirt if you didn't? An RMIT T-shirt, as they call them, down at the gift shop at RMIT. Uh, he said, yes, he did actually attend RMIT, uh, and now here he is, our producer. <laughs> so I was, well, it, was it a job me- in the media, media arts degree. A, yeah, that's, that's actually pretty good. I reckon with a modern day media arts degree, I want to know what degree podcast Mike did do though. So I want to know what degree he did. Yeah. That's a communications degree, which is essentially a media arts degree, which is the same degree I did. Uh, mine wasn't called communications. Mine was called media arts. And the university I studied at uh, no longer exists. I believe they bulldozed it and turned it into a car park for, car park for Monash, Monash Uni. Yeah, but the good news was they were the three of the greatest years you spent at Trump University. <laughs> and every dollar you spent on that education was worth it. Well, it was one of these things too where I had the option of going to RMIT or this university. It was Rusden. It was at Deakin University, Rusden campus. But the Rusden campus was like uh, Deakin University's dedicated arts campus. So they had like a theatre course and a drama course and a media course and stuff. But what you sort of discovered when you actually, like we did the orientation, it all seemed pretty exciting. And I was like, oh my God, it's going to be like fame school. There's going to be dancers, you know, at lunchtime in the cafeteria and it's going to be amazing. But then when we got there, because uh, I went there with Michael Chamberlain, uh, when we enrolled and we started there, we realised that they were... Uh, very badly underfunded and to make up numbers they just like took anyone into these courses so for you know the filmmaking class for instance there was only like four cameras but they just pumped as many students as they could into that class so you got like well you know what I like is those universities traditionally they trade on the previous people who went there Mm. like you go to NIDA because Mel Gibson went to NIDA or whatever it is, right? Yep. You go, this person who became a really successful actor. Yeah, I've got a degree in anti-Semitism. Um, I went to the same university as Mel Gibson. It's one of the, one of the old courses. <laughs> I reckon it's not on the NIDA curriculum anymore. <laughs> they used to do a minor in anti-Semitism <laughs> and then there was like misogynist insults used to be a course, yeah. a course as well. But they've dropped those out. No, but 
So I reckon Rusden, if it was still around, the fact that you and Michael Chamberlain both went there and have two of the biggest comedy AFL-related <laughs> football podcasts in media would be a big selling point for them. Well, I actually remember in my communications media class, they were showing us like previous students, not like, hey, these are the guys we aspire to, just previous examples of previous students' work. And one of the uh, alumni was Nick Giannopoulos. Okay. Well, I mean, that, I guess that's good. Like, he's a guy who, you've got to say this about Nick Giannopoulos. Like, you could say a lot of things about Nick Giannopoulos, <laughs> but the thing that I'm going to say about Nick Giannopoulos is he's a dude who created his own world and his own work. Like, he yes. had a universe. Like, he was a guy like an Edgar Wright or like a Quentin Tarantino or like a Christopher Nolan or whatever. Who, Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith is probably a really good example. Like his universe was stage plays, it was movies, it was TV shows. They, they had some of the same characters. Sometimes they weren't the same characters, but they were kind of set in the same attitude and universe. Like he did all that himself. And not only did it all himself, but did it at a time where as an ethnic Australian, like mm. there hadn't been that representation of ethnic Australians in the media before. Now, I think that some people would argue there's probably a downside to that as well, but you've got to admire the fact that he built it all himself. If, if I was being sold a university and I'd seen this guy go out of that university and create his own universe... From university to universe. That Universes. would be my tag slogan. But Rusden would still be around if they put me in charge of the marketing, Charlie. Well, I think, I think I agree with everything you said. I think the thing that maybe tainted Nick Giannopoulos was that sketch they did on The Late Show, Santo Chilaro sketch, which was like, that wasn't a direct send-up of Nick Giannopoulos, but it was a comedian who had made his, made his money sending up ethnic stereotypes. And I think... Santo, if he, and I imagine Santo was the key driving creative force behind that sketch. I think everything that Santo skewed in that sketch is probably what, uh, is, is what deflated Nick Giannopoulos or, or you could be used against Nick Giannopoulos as what he's built his career on. Yeah, I agree. But sometimes I think the pioneers have to be quite broad in that way. You're not going to get your... Like, you need a Nick Giannopoulos so that other people can come along and make, you know... well. With that, Nick Giannopoulos, there's no Halzos, there's no Paul Fennick, there's none of that stuff, Fat Pizza, any of that stuff that came afterwards. Yeah, I agree. But you'd also argue that maybe there's no black comedy and maybe there's no, you know, yeah. these sort of shows that were like even like things like Big Girls Blouse because there was a time where the idea of having like a whole show that was just female comedians was a revolutionary idea. And in the same way as like, you know, when Nick came along, the idea that, like, you know, there was not only an ethnic comedian could talk to these huge ethnic audiences, you know, because that was yeah. his initial appeal, right? He was doing comedy that was recognised by that community as being comedy that they enjoyed and then it managed to go mainstream. It's not like he was on mainstream TV, like, making fun of the culture he grew up in and the culture he grew up in didn't enjoy it. He built it yeah. through the culture he grew up in. Oh, no. Like, when I was working with Ada on Home and Away, like, we would often talk about, like, Acropolis now and that Effie stereotype, that Greek-Australian female stereotype. And, like, my understanding is that they all thought it was hilarious and she would drop into an Effie accent 
all the time because it was like, you know, there's some truth in that. I mean, it's one of those things where I couldn't do it. <laughs> like, I'm not about to drop into that accent. You know, I'm not friendly Geordies. I'm not about to just like drop into that accent willy-nilly. But, you know, for, as far as she was concerned, like even Con the Fruiterer, like, you know, I, we'd bring that up as like, oh, my God, can you believe that there was a time when a straight white male could, you know, pretend to be. But she was like, well, yeah, I think white Australia got more offended by that than actual Greeks who saw what the joke was. Right. I, I agree with that. And I also love how quickly we've gone from university education to fucking comedy company. <laughs> well, it's a short, it's a short bridge, Will. podcast mike isn't involved in a call because we're not on a call we are actually in the same room doing the show yeah one of the rare occasions we get to do that and that's very exciting but it does mean that we can't start with our now traditional what is podcast mike wearing we even asked podcast mike to provide us with a photo yeah of what he was wearing he did not send us a photo of what he was wearing but he did send a tease yeah charlie a bit of sizzle. A bit of sizzle for an upcoming podcast. I'm going to open up our WhatsApp group chat that we have for the show. And uh, in this, Podcast Mike says this. Okay, here's what I will say. End message. In a few weeks' time, end message. There's going to be something worn on this podcast <laughs> that is definitely going to get heads turning. End message. That's what you've got to work with today. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's so intriguing. What is it? What do you think it would be? Do you think we're taking him literally as in it's apparel or is it something more like, you know, he, so he says he'll be wearing something. He said something is going to be worn on this podcast that will turn heads. Now, I think must singer style. Oh. He's put a clue in like turn heads. What ah. would turn heads be? Like he, he's going to be dressed like the like exorcist. A clown? A clown. Like at a carnival, turning its head. A carnival clown. And, and the entire time we're doing the podcast, he's going to be putting <laughs> ping pong balls in his mouth. I went and saw a show in Thailand that was very similar. <laughs> <laughs> Except it wasn't a mouth. Uh, or the exorcist. Do you reckon he'll just be in like a 12-year-old's nighty covered in vomit? <laughs> His maybe stringy hair. Maybe he's telling us that he's makeup. leaving the podcast, and the only way that he can be rid of us is having exorcism live on air during a Tofop episode. What would you like it to be? What would you love? Because normally, what happens is uh, he will set up the call, and so he'll call both of us, and so we all pop up, pop up roughly at the same time. Yeah. So, what would you like to pop up on the screen? What's the big reveal? Okay, so it's got to be something that would turn heads. Because that's very specific because this is an audio medium. So yeah. the idea that this thing will turn heads. First thing that comes to mind for me is he's dressed like Cher from If I Could if Turn, I could back, turn time, back Time. If I Could Turn Back Time and he's on a giant cannon. <laughs> gaffer, he's straddling tape man a giant, <laughs> He's got a gaffer taped black woman keeny. <laughs> woman keeny, sure. Yeah. And he's fashioned himself a papier mache uh, cannon, cannon. Which is between his legs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would certainly turn heads. <laughs> Tell me, this uh, head-turning outfit, you're not wearing it now, are you? <laughs> because Yeah, I, I am currently wearing it. <laughs> you are currently wearing your head-turning outfit. Now, Charlie, I, I, what I'm, I'll describe what I'm seeing at the okay, moment. Yeah. Firstly, 
got no idea what that poster is behind podcast mic. There Some is... kind of Escher type thing, a guy jumping hurdles or something? No, do you, this is a, uh, a a temple in Kyoto called the Fushimi Inari Shrine. And it's a thing that I got when I was in, in Japan a few years ago. Oh, look at that. Oh, okay. Well-traveled, wow. a man of the world. Yeah. La <laughs> Notice it's the only thing on the wall, which is clearly put there for the purposes of this call to make himself seem more sophisticated. Now, how can we mock a man? for his outfit <laughs> when he's a man who clearly at some stage in his life has been to Japan and that's why it's not going to be offensive when he's dressed in a kimono that's what I was going to ask <laughs> actually- is there some is there some kind of clue in the artwork no there is no clue in the artwork but what I will say is I realise that I've accidentally totally overhyped the outfit uh-huh. <laughs> Perfect. But, but, on brand. but that's because I didn't think that it was going to become a... I thought it was going to be an off-air thing. I didn't ever think it yeah. was going to be an on-air thing. Uh, hang on. Hang on. Come on. Will, I think we need to go to the transcript. Can yeah. you please go to the WhatsApp and look up what the message was? Because there is no way you can tell us that... Oh, hang on. I thought it was going to be a little off-air joke. You were putting sizzle on this. You said that, that it's going to be a head-turning... Head-turning outfit right yeah but that was for the off-air team not for the it wasn't supposed it was never supposed to be on air it was never supposed to get to on air (laughs) how easy do you think it is to turn our heads we're not a couple of rubes here we spent 10 weeks talking about fucking bins mate yeah we are desperate for content and you also edit the show and so you've heard us speculate on ziggy stardust and like all kinds of outfits Mm. so didn't you? Didn't that put some kind of pressure on you to go? Well, shit. Maybe I'm just wearing. I was going to wear a t-shirt, but maybe I should put a little more effort into this head-turning outfit. I instantly regretted it when I heard it come on the show, and then I didn't think there was a way to like subside the expectations. So, I guess it just is what it is at this point. <laughs> I mean, the easiest way would have been for you to just tell us that you'd overhyped it and then you could have cut it out. You're literally the person yeah. in charge. I mean, who, who could do something to fix this? He said as he looked around the room, there is no one. It would be impossible for anyone to both have contact with Will and Charlie and have access to editing the podcast. In fact, there would be only one person. One person. I mean, I'm fascinated by the psychology of this. Is this... Yeah. The fact that you felt that you couldn't back out of this, mm. is this your commitment to showbiz? Is this more of a kind of we peer pressured you mm. too much? Like, you know, what's going on? No, it's it's neither of those. Like, I actually think the outfit, I think you'll <laughs> like it. I think you'll think it's cool. But it, head turning was the wrong choice of term. Well, yeah, here's yeah. the thing. Uh, you know what? I'm picking up a little. Yeah, I'm, I'm very interested to see it. And uh, okay. up till this point, we should point out that Mike has been like leaning forward, <laughs> concealing like whatever it is that is on his t-shirt or whatever it is that he's going to like reveal. Like a self-conscious thirteen-year-old girl has just come back from summer camp. He's leaning forward with right. his arms across arms his crossed. chest. <laughs> yes, very much like someone trying out their first sports bra. <laughs> he is leaning, concealing everything from us at this point. All right, should we uh, yeah. should we get to it? So, yes. um, I mean, I don't have a drum roll sound effect, but uh, ladies and gentlemen, in. imagine in your minds, uh, your podcast mic will put a drum roll in because, as Will's pointed out, he's in control of the show. Yeah. Literally the only person who can make the decisions. And neither of us are listening back, so yeah. we'd never fucking you never know. know. 
We'd be bringing it up weeks later and everyone's like, I don't understand what they're referring to. Wow. That's all. Keep that in mind, podcast, Mark. If we ever shit you, just know that you can edit out whole chunks of the show. We'll never listen back and we'll look like idiots when we keep bringing it up for weeks. Well, the great news will be instead of repeating ourselves, we'll actually be saying things for the first time. (laughs) That's a good point. All All right, right, Mike. Here we go. Ready? I got a Tofop t-shirt. Oh, uh, yes! <laughs> it's the, okay, uh, like, that's, I, and it took me a while yeah. to choose which one, but I've got... Well, do you want to describe it to the listeners? Yeah, I believe it's from the cult of Tofop. It's the uh, fireball with the gloved hand reaching out, holding up mm. a cassette tape with the Tofop episode number scrawled on it. Well, I know this because I have exactly the same... T-shirt. I'm not wearing it now. I'm wearing a different You are wearing t-shirt. a Tofop T-shirt. This means two-thirds of the podcast right now are wearing <laughs> Tofop merchandise. I don't think there's any other room in the country where two-thirds of the people are wearing merchandise from our podcast than just on our podcast. This now seems like the most clumsy setup to a bit of shilling, a bit of product placement, but I'm fascinated. So you and I bought the same T-shirt without consulting. Oh, did so, you buy yours recently, Charlie? I bought no, I bought mine about six months ago. Okay. But when I was looking through the designs, that was definitely the first one to catch my eye. I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, it's cool," because I'm a bit um, apprehensive about wearing Tofop merch. It hasn't happened yet where I've had anyone come up and go, "Hey." You're the guy from the show that you're wearing a t-shirt about. <laughs> You've seen our numbers. You know that's yeah. unlikely to happen. <laughs> Very unlikely to happen. <laughs> so I try and choose stuff that is not like that. that that's a bit. bit uh, where the Tofop, uh, the, the title is kind of buried or hidden, it's, that's not the first thing that's going to take your attention. And that one, I think, is is one of Fosdyke's best. Mm. And it's got, like, I think I was drawn to the cassette tape. Like, it's got a uh, almost like a Guardians of the Galaxy. You know that, the cassette in that? I think I just thought of that a bit and, and I kind of wanted to buy it because of that. Just made a connection. Right. So you did, yeah. So you mostly didn't want to buy it because it was a Tofop t-shirt. Yeah. You mostly wanted to buy it because you liked the movie Guardians of the Galaxy. No, I also would point out that you're saying it looks like he uh, Foz stole it from the Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy. We're currently being slapped with one cease and desist by the AFL. <laughs> Don't get Marvel onto us as well. Oh, we'd be fucked if Marvel came our way. I'd just buy us and repurpose the show. They'd probably put Paul Rudd and, yeah. I don't know, and Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd talking to Paul Rudd. It'll be the most successful podcast in the entire world. <laughs> the Rudcast. Now, big question, yes. podcast Mike. Has it turned heads? Has it, in fact, yeah. turned heads? I. This is actually the first time I've worn it. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, well, it only... It arrived, uh, like, on Friday, I think, and uh, I just didn't want to put it on until you guys saw it. So this is the first time. I will wear it out tomorrow. And just see what where? response it gets. Where, where are you going to go tomorrow? Um, I'm actually, I'm actually staying. I'm just staying home tomorrow. Actually, so <laughs> <laughs> next, next time I go out, next time I go out, I'll wear it for sure. Though. 